This is Synthetic A Priori, Episode 3. Last week I talked a little bit about this notion of going upstream along the path of of concretizing something. That is to look at the process of going from a, a very fuzzy idea to something that's fully spelled out. And I want to kind of demarcate a couple phases of that as we get into today's episode. Um, it, we could look at it very broadly just as a kind of gradient and say there's one extreme, you know, where we don't know what we're trying to do or what we're trying to say or what the idea is or what the project is. And then on the other extreme, there's this completely spelled out, for perfectly detailed, crispy, finished product, right, with, with no unknowns left in it. And what I'm finding kind of as I start to explore uh, topics for the podcast and then the process of actually turning on the microphone and, and, and talking through things is um, there's a phase along that, that path where uh, the idea is more or less there, but there's a big question about kind of how to articulate it and how to, how to talk it through, Right. Um, but the confidence is there in the idea. And um, and this is kind of one stage somewhere in the middle. Uh, but there's also kind of a, a further upstream step where not only am I not sure how to talk about the thing, I'm also not quite sure what the what what the handles are on the idea or how to how to get my hands around it. Um, so there's something there, but it actually needs, it needs some work. It needs to get wrestled with to actually figure out kind of what the connections are and and where there's some, I don't know, let's say use or utility out of those. And uh, today is going to be a little bit more in this, in this area. I want to talk about a few things um, that I know are connected, but I don't know how. And by, by trying, we're going to learn at least um, where the... Uh, what do you say, like low-hanging, not fruit, but, you know, low-hanging connections are between these things. Uh, So generally, the topic is uh, scale transformation and multi-scale systems, and the connection is um, between uh, sort of top-down versus bottom-up dynamics. So that is... um, how do we look at the different scales that a system has? And then how do we think about the type of action that we can perform or the steps that we should do in terms of design, in terms of control, in terms of setting constraints, whatever it is, um, so that we get the kind of uh, structure that we need at the different scales. And um, this actually touches a lot of things. This touches, um, I mean, this touches um, shape up. This touches like how we do project definition, but it also touches how we communicate. It touches um, decisions about, for example, when I'm thinking about how to, where to go next with the design of Basecamp. Um, there's a lot of, this this is a very fundamental distinction actually this way of looking at things at multiple scales so let's dig into this um 
I first, I had some intuition for this um, built up over a long time. But the first time that I really sort of saw this, this idea of multi-scale systems and different scales at different dynamics was when I went to Boston to learn from Yunir Baryam. Uh, I found out about Yunir's work because I was reading Anti-Fragile, Nassim Taleb's book, and uh, the footnotes are interesting. You know, actually, I I learned a lot by looking at um, at the way. It's so interesting the way that he uses footnotes in that book because um, the the main text is is can be technical, um, but actually it, it kind of leans a little bit more toward sort of street smart, folksy kind of uh, practical statements. You know, and and uh, but then but then there's a footnote, and then you'll find some kind of little piece of math or or a piece of rigor or uh, uh, some kind of detailing at a level of formality that um, it's it's a really kind of an interesting it's an interesting way to work uh, because there's this sort of like you get the intuition first and then there's this rigor kind of backing it up behind it which is cool um, so anyway there was a part of the book where uh, I there's a footnote and I look in the footnote and the footnote says, if you want to understand nonlinear dynamics, uh, go to Yunir Bayam, something like that. And I thought, okay, who's that and what is that? And yeah, I would like to understand that. So I, um, I took a look at that and uh, it turned out that uh, Yunir was the founder of a, of a, of a kind of private uh, nonprofit uh, institute doing doing scientific work that's sort of aimed at, at, at societal and social problems and things like, things like the economy and, and, and pandemics and, and social structure and all kinds of things like that. And, um, they offer courses and I went, I went to take a course and the main thing that really blew me away was this this tool that Yunir reaches for all the time, which is the complexity profile, he calls it. Um, and, you know, a lot of the work that they do kind of falls under this broad category of what's called complexity. And, I mean, what is, this is a quite general term, but it actually refers to uh, systems that have um, a lot of different uh, parts a lot of different moving parts that are all uh, interdependent with each other because it turns out um, anytime you have a system that has a lot of moving parts that are connected, then you get uh, things that are hard to deal with. You get behaviors that are hard to describe because you have ripple effects across the connections. Um, so he has this thing called the complexity profile, but really what the complexity profile is about is is it more than it's it's not so much about complexity it's actually about scale and uh scale means basically uh if we look at um any meaningfully complex system uh there's a there's there's a way where um we can talk about the degrees of freedom the system has at the large scale and the degrees of freedom the system has at smaller scales. So for example, um, 
if you just look at a river, uh, from far away, a river is one large-scale structure. It's like a kind of winding band in the land, right? And uh, actually, if you if you do a if you could do a time lapse at the scale of of hundreds of years, uh, you would actually see this this winding band um, moving across the landscape because the location of the river is not actually not not fixed it's actually a dynamic thing right um uh and then we can go the other way and and we can zoom all the way into the river and then we don't actually see a river anymore we see a lot of moving droplets of water and the movement of one droplet of water at the scale of you know, seconds or milliseconds, um, like, you know, this, this, this rushing chaotic movement of tiny things, it doesn't directly explain, you know, the movement of this giant structure over the course of hundreds of years on the landscape. But of course there are, there is a connection between what's happening at that small scale and what's happening at that large scale. And the same thing is true for all kinds of systems. You know, if you look at the human body, there's a sense in which you have uh, completely independent things going on, right? So whether it's the um, the blood cells um, 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 racing around and doing all kinds of things, um, or uh, reaching with, 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 reaching, extending the arm out and opening the hand and then closing the fingers around a glass of water. And, and what we see is that in order for a large-scale behavior to happen, a lot of the little small things all have to move in the same way. They need to move in the same direction. And so you get a, 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 what we call a scale trade-off. And a scale trade-off is where um, in order for something to happen kind of at a big scale, then uh, you have to sort of give up freedom at the small scale. You know, so it's, uh, here's another example to, to illustrate that. Like um, Yanir in, in his book, Making Things Work, talks about the difference between uh, an ancient old-fashioned army where you have thousands and thousands of soldiers all kind of lining up in one big formation and then marching ahead as a block, right? Uh, versus, let's say, kind of a guerrilla warfare that you might see in, in, in more situations today or in a, in a mountainous place, you know, where you have small bands of people uh, moving here and then hiding behind a tree and then behind a hillside and then up over a ridge and, and, and all kinds of different scattered movement in all kinds of di different directions. And the, the, the trade-off here is that um, the, the giant block of soldiers moving in the sort of old-fashioned ancient style, you know, you could see that from, an, from a, if you were to go up in a helicopter and look down, you would see this big mass moving, right? Um, versus the guerrilla style, there's no clear structure from that large scale. And um, 
when you when you break up that large scale, if you take away the rule that everyone has to move in the same direction, then the large scale structure disappears and a, and a kind of freedom appears at the lower level. And then if you if you remove that freedom at the lower level and you say, nope, everybody has to move in the same direction now, then all of a sudden this like shoop, like that big large scale structure appears again and becomes visible, right? And so like with the body, a lot of coordinated movements have to happen where a lot of parts are all moving in the same direction for something large scale, like, like the extension of the arm to happen versus the immune system is, is more like the guerrilla warfare. And there's, so that you see this happening in a lot of systems. And one of the things that's really interesting about this is that the kind of scale that's needed can depend on the moment and this is where um intentionality comes in action comes in design comes in you know i think one of the the big themes here of all the things that we we're talking about is um the way that we uh, describe a system and the way that we deal with a problem is going to be really different if we're actually trying to act upon something, if we're trying to do something, if we're trying to make something or create an outcome, you know, there's all kinds of ways that you can describe things, but the description that you need in order to affect a change uh, is a dynamic description of the cause effect structure of all the interdependent parts. We have to be able to see how do all the parts relate to each other as things that push and pull on each other in a cause effect way in order for us to say okay if i poke here then i get the outcome i want over there at the other end of the system and this brings us kind of from looking at the different scales of a system looking at the scale trade-offs that happen to um a, a connected thing which is I uh, sort of the means of control or the means of organization and 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 one of the uh, yeah one of the the basic sort of splits that we encounter all the time is this kind of top down versus bottom up order and i think you can probably see already that there's a connection here that um top down control of a system necessarily has to be large scale because you can't top down uh, tell a, a million moving parts kind of how to decide what to do independently right um, you necessarily kind of impose a sort of uniformity um, uh, from the top and down and there's a there's I mean there's so many fascinating things to look at in connection with this and I don't even know kind of where to you know, we have to make some choices here, uh, but you know because there's another there's another related piece here which is that of course uh, scale is not doesn't come in a in a predefined unit. I mean maybe maybe there's an ultimate uh, smallest scale that we can meaningfully talk about like the Planck length or something like that though probably it's even it's probably smaller than we think right it, but but really um uh in any given situation there's actually a kind of reference frame of that we construct 
of the scale that we are currently interested in and looking at. And from that, from that reference frame, we have a kind of possibility to impose some order from the top down or to invite some order from the bottom up. And these kind of map to um, some of the things we talked about last week in terms of uh, kind of creating the boundaries and the latitude where um, we leave degrees of freedom open for something to happen versus um, kind of dictating some structure and filling in with it should be like this and it should be like that. Let's tie this back to some kind of some examples and make it a little more concrete. Uh, one example um, is, um, so the subject is, I see that there's different scales to work on in a system. And I see that there are different ways to get order out of the system, either bottom up or top down. And then um, how do I actually choose? How do I choose that reference frame of the right scale to work at? And then um, what what is the right time and the right context for bottom-up order versus top-down order? Uh, and here we can take even let's just even look at the let's just let's connect um let's go back to um writing writing a blog post versus uh let's say uh posting some stuff on twitter there's a there's a kind of a similarity between a a thread of a so-called tweet storm or a thread of tweets that are that are all kind of about the same thing that are trying to get a bigger idea out. So you have you have some unit, right? Um, of, of let's say a tweet has a certain length, and um, you can say only so much in a, in in one tweet, right? Um, but you can uh, you can kind of um, string a few of them together, and then in the end you kind of get something that 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 looks like. Uh, that 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 maybe is is not so far away structurally from a from a from a blog post in the sense that there's a even a slightly comparable word count maybe the, you you cover a similar amount of ground in terms of the idea but the way that we get there uh by kind of ad hoc tweeting one after the other uh is very different from the way that we would kind of plan and outline an article you know there's this sense of if i'm if i'm just sort of throwing individual ideas out uh or, or actually let's let's if we're imagining this kind of gradient where we've we've got on the one end a fully structured carefully thought out kind of outlined uh blog post or an article and then on the other end, we have this sort of like a series of tweets. We could go a little bit further, actually, in the in in the direction on the tweet side of this polarity, and say that um, there's even a, a a more kind of small scale chaotic version of this, which is where um, 
uh, the tweets aren't even connected into a into a thread. They're not even connected into a tweet storm, but they're actually kind of um, randomly accumulating over the course of a few days or a week. You know, so there might be something that I want to write an article about, but I don't know how. So I actually might like to say there is some large scale structure that should exist you know like uh this article that i want to write but i can't get to that large scale structure if i don't already have it <laughs> you know, like if i don't know what to say and i don't know what that structure should be i can't just dictate it um and this is um what uh Yanir has framed as uh as a complexity mismatch so this is now we come into sort of a question of when is the right moment for what if if my thoughts on the subject of this thing that i might want to write into an article are are too chaotic are too unstructured are too all over the place i don't have a way to get from this kind of swirling mix of ideas and thoughts to you know, bullet point one, bullet point two, bullet point three, and and headline and paragraph and and outline and and here's my here's the article about it. It's there isn't a mapping from here to there because the substance of the idea is kind of in a different structural regime. So this is um this is something also that Joe Norman has written about a little bit um uh under uh i think this is coming from sort of shannon style information theory that that world is something called the law of requisite variety and and the notion is that um uh if i have some system that i'm trying to deal with then the way that i work with it needs to have as many degrees of freedom as the as the problem the sort of the solution side needs to have as many degrees of freedom as the problem side and it's it's i think it's a way of saying the same thing and so, uh, actually, the, the, the Twitter environment of I am going to randomly tweet about this subject that I can't yet structure into an article, uh, that is actually a, a, a smaller scale structure. An individual tweet is a smaller thing than an article. But it's not only smaller it has more degrees of freedom. The, the tweets don't have to make sense as a whole. I can, I, can, I can make one observation and then I can make a completely disconnected observation that maybe is somehow related, but I can make a totally different tweet an hour later or two days later and I can kind of play with trying to touch this subject in different ways with different short statements, right? And then if all of a sudden uh, there's a few thoughts that are starting to link together, then I can, I, can, I can move along this gradient that we've described and say, okay, now I'm not, I'm not only just writing kind of individual separate tweets, I'm actually chaining one tweet after the other because I have a kind of train of thought here or a kind of enough structure that I can, that I can say more and there's some continuity and there's something holding it together. By choosing 
to go to Twitter and then and then sort of fly these little test balloons here and there to throw out a few random kind of small scale things. I can allow for some kind of a deeper understanding to emerge or some kind of a larger scale picture of how these things all relate to emerge. And then there's going to come a point where it's like, ah, I think, you know, this thing resonated. I got a response from this. I had a little back and forth with that over there. And I think now, I think I know what to say in the, in the, in the larger scale article form. So this, this actually happens a lot with, um, like let's take shape up. For example, I put the book out and, uh, People will occasionally uh, comment on it or ask a question or something on Twitter. And what will happen is I, 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 there's some subject that I actually don't know how to talk about, which, by the way, kind of super meta recursively is the subject of today. <laughs> um, there's, this, there's this question of um, uh, how do you apply the practices written in, in ShapeUp um, to a brand new product? This is a question that started to come up on Twitter. And um, I didn't really know what to say about that because the, the book is sort of structured all around the assumption that you have a product that's existing and you are kind of filling in or, or, or adding on with new improvements over time to something where the basic architecture is already there, the basic product already exists. And if... if um, when I was doing the first draft of the book and, and then actually publishing the first version of the book, uh, I didn't know what to say um, or how this question of new versus existing product fit in. I didn't even, I actually took it for granted that people would, would just sort of see the connections. Um, and I didn't realize that there was actually, there, there was actually a lot that needed to be sort of spelled out there. Um, but I didn't know how to, how to do it. This is a case where, the question is easy to say, but there isn't, I don't have this sort of large scale structure that appears of like, well, here's how to explain it. So what I found myself doing was kind of um, answering this question over and over again at the small scale. An email would come in and someone would say, hey, um, this all sounds great and this makes a lot of sense, but it sounds like it's just for when you already have a product and we're, we're a new startup and what would you advise? Or uh, a tweet comes in and somebody says, hey, you just released, you know, Basecamp just released, hey, the new uh, email service. And uh, did you apply ShapeUp for that? Because it was a new product. How did you do that? And what I found was that I, I was answering this question again and again. And as I tried to answer it, you know, over and over, um, slowly patterns appeared slowly the way that i was answering um became the same and it went from having a whole bunch of kind of random thoughts of maybe i could explain it like this and maybe i could explain it like that and what is actually different about the process and how can i use the terms that i've already introduced you know to to, to help people to connect the dots and all these different questions, it, it, it eventually boiled down to, okay, when we work on a product, there's a new product. 
there's three stages. There's this thing we call the R&D mode, there's this thing that we call production mode, and there's this thing that we call cleanup mode. And these are each sort of, uh, each stage is multiple cycles long of six weeks each. And that, that right there is an example of large-scale structure. I've got this, this big plan of how I can explain it. So now I'm actually um, uh, looking at making some changes to the book in preparation for the print edition. It's kind of like, you know, okay, last chance to, to put some new stuff in. And I've got this article length, or I don't know what you call it. I mean, it, 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 it could be chapter length, but I don't think that's necessary. Let's see. At least it could be, you know, sort of a, a, an article length piece that either goes into an appendix or, or, or finds its way as a new chapter or something. I have, to, I have to solve that part. But I can explain it in terms of here is the structure. There's these three different phases. And the way that you do shaping and building is different in, in the R&D phase versus the production phase versus the cleanup phase. And I couldn't start there because I needed way more degrees of freedom. And this, this also kind of touches on an interesting aspect of, of the complexity trade-off. At the small scale, there's a lot of repetition. There's a lot of little things that are all... Um, um, happening over and over again versus the large scale uh, can be viewed um, sometimes as being kind of more like one shot, one big movement rather than many little things happening over and over again. There's a connection here, another connection here, and I think maybe we're pulling, I, I, you know, I, I warned you, that this <laughs> that we were further upstream right but i think i think i can feel the strings coming together on this uh there's another connection here which is um uh, i'll tell you a little you know tell you the story about it when when hey when when uh when basecamp launched hey this was i think two weeks ago now and it was it's like monday and it's like the first day of it's launch day where we were uh, not completely open to the public, but sending out invitations to all the people who were on the wait list waiting to use it. So effectively public, effectively launched. And of course, this is a very like, this is a big day and it's an exciting thing. And so many people worked so hard in so many ways. And now all of a sudden, like people are using it. Stuff is happening. What's going on? Right. And Monday morning starts the first batch of, I don't remember the number, but it was on the order of like 10,000 invitations went out. Uh, if 5,000 or 10,000, or I don't know, something like that, but it, it wasn't, it wasn't all hundred, you know, it wasn't all 50,000 or hundred thousand that however many accumulated in the end, but it was a good chunk. Right. And there's this weird silence, you know, uh, it's, one of the weird things about launching software is you, you just, uh, you, 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 you hit the switch and now the thing is up and now what do you do? You know what I mean? You sort of sit there cause there's, you're just, you're in the same room you were in before looking at some screen somewhere, you know what I mean? Um, but some activity might be happening and then you have to find some instruments to observe, right? So 
some traffic indicator or or uh, you know sign up indicator or or whatever it is, right? And um, long story short, we have a few general indicators of things like traffic, server load, number of people who went from trial to paid, number of people who are currently in trial, some just big aggregate numbers. Um, but not everybody can see those. And uh, and so what 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 what's happening? What's happening is there's a whole lot of little buzzing conversations happening, a lot of independent, small, buzzing conversations. So there's one ping. Hey, how are we doing? Have you do you have you seen like any numbers to report? Hey, like what's the response from support so far? Like, what's going on? And like, are people are people talking about it? Has has any have any articles been written? Oh, here, look, I found this thing. Here's a link, you know, like, so there's a lot of separate, small exchanges happening. And, um, what you get out of that is, um, that small scale freedom. There's no one format. There's no one, there's no one way to communicate. It's, um, there's a lot of, uh, richness there. You know, it could be, um, What's, what, has there been any press or how's the support load or what's happening with something technically with operations? Like there's, it, it could, you know, there's no sort of edges to what the discussion could be. But at the same time, again, there's a trade-off because we have the freedom of having, of talking about anything one-on-one with all these little side conversations that are happening. There's a sense that like, um, I'm getting the answer to my question right now, but I don't know what I don't know. And I, I'm not getting the big picture. And um, probably there's other people who don't even, who, who don't know who to ask, or it's not appropriate to, to, to tap the shoulder and interrupt to ask. So there's this sense of like, um, I think we need to make a transition. I think we need to make a scale trade-off and switch from many, many small discussions to one big centralized truth okay this is a this is like the inner thought process that i was having okay and uh this is just it it, okay maybe it's a little nerdy but i i I actually find it a very effective to to note to look around know what's going on and say ah look there's a lot of little buzzing going around and there's a sense of a little bit of anxiety a little bit of like um what's really going on how are we really doing? Um, and and the way to address that was um, I, Jonas, who who um, has had kind of a leadership role in in Hay, uh, because he he's one of our more senior designers, and he was really kind of leading the design work along with along with Jason. Um, uh, Jonas wrote. Uh, it was like, I, I, I said like, Hey, maybe, maybe we need some kind of like an update for everybody, you know? And then he, he, he took that up and he wrote this like really amazing message board post that was addressed to everyone in the company. And it was just like, uh, here's everything we know right now, you know, um, here's what signups look like. Here's, um, uh, like here's a sense of the reaction that we're getting. Um, here's kind of what we know and what we don't know. And it was just sort of like this really nice, um, summary 
of everything that was going on. And then all of a sudden, what what were formerly, you know, a uh, uh, hundred or, or more um, little side conversations became one large conversation. There was one big post that had a clear structure that aligned everyone with the same information. So this is kind of... Um, it, it, I really like this um, this this analogy between the maybe a physical system where you have a whole bunch of you know little molecules jiggling chaotically in moving in different directions, and then the scale transformation where all of those start to move in the same direction, and then you get the the movement of the arm or the, the, the flow of the river, you get that macro structure based on the aligned movement and the reduced degrees of freedom of the small parts. And there's something that happened on an information level here where all of a sudden we went from a lot of different information to kind of one piece of information right? That was shared by everybody. So in a way, um, if everyone reads the same update and everyone has the same knowledge, it's a kind of large scale movement or large scale structure, not only in the sense of the, the message board post, this announcement that Jonas wrote. It's not just that this announcement is, is, is somehow longer or bigger than um, a couple messages back and forth in a private discussion. It's it's that the the alignment of knowledge, the knowledge structure of fifty people all knowing the same thing, is bigger than a few people having the same information and having kind of a random scatter of overlap here and there between different things that different people know. It's a larger scale of shared knowledge. This kind of uh, scale transformation is exactly the kind of thing that um, we're trying to enable in Basecamp. And for me, it's become kind of like the, one of the key design requirements of something that I'm trying to fulfill. It's also uh, going back to this question about working on a new product. When we talk about R&D mode versus production mode versus cleanup, we actually see a similar scale transformation happening there. In the R&D mode, there's a lot of disconnected work that's very experimental because we don't know what the large-scale architecture should be of the software design. The end of R&D mode is when the scale transformation happens. And instead of a whole bunch of random different ideas about what might work, there's one large idea embodied in running code of this is the skeleton of the app. This is how it hangs together. These are the tent poles. Uh, these are the load bearing structures. This is the core of the app. We've got it figured out. Actually having that large scale structure, that's the end of R&D in the beginning of production mode where we can start shaping individual projects to fill in the cracks. There's a lot more we could say about this. I, I, I was even thinking to connect it to Kaufman's work on, on work constraint cycles 
and um, but we're already at about 40 minutes. So I think uh, I think we'll call it a success that we somehow drew some early connections between this notion of a scale transformation in a multi-scale system, the scale trade-off where you have either degrees of freedom at the large scale or degrees of freedom at the small scale, um, but you actually have to give up those degrees of freedom at the small scale to get the large scale alignment um, to, in order to have movement at the large scale. Uh, and, uh, and I think that we've seen that there's some, uh, some connection there between you know, the top-down order of now I'm going to you know, write the blog post or write the announcement versus the bottom-up emergent order of I'm going to randomly tweet about this or, or repeatedly answer emails about this or uh, have a bunch of small discussions with people on the side until some kind of pattern emerges of what the larger thing is that should exist, right? And so we can actually kind of be deliberate about this and, uh, and, and really think in terms of if I want something big to happen, then I need to operate at a, at, a, at a reference frame at a level of scale where I have a few big levers. And if I don't have a few big levers, I can't enable a big movement. And if I need to figure out what those levers are, you know, what are the right parameters of the system that are going to affect the large scale change that I want, then I, if I don't know what those things are or if I don't have control over them, then, uh, then I actually need to, to work in a different way to figure out how to uh, open up the process to um, uh, kind of um, smaller repetitions of independent actions with more degrees of freedom in order to, um, you know, I think what, what, what Unir would call is, is raise the complexity, have more different types of things happening at the same time. And then out of that richer field of possibility, uh, some connections will be made, some patterns will start to form, and then, and then the shape of these large levers that we're seeking, the, um, the actual f parameters that we want, that smaller set of parameters that, that give us more leverage, uh, those things may start to emerge. And then when they do, then we can make this flip and say, uh, here's the big things that I need to do to get where I'm trying to go. Thanks for listening. You can find me on Twitter at RJS. My website is feltpresence.com. And check the show notes for references to people and works that I mentioned on the show. We'll see you next week.